Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. My fellow Americans. So after days of uncertainty, Joe Biden finally declared victory Saturday night. Tonight, we're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, and tomorrow, bring a better day. And he gave a speech hitting on the themes he's been promoting for his whole campaign about restoring the soul of the country. Tonight, the whole world is watching America. And I believe at our best, America's a beacon for the globe. But when he got into policy specifics, the top of the list was the COVID-19 pandemic. Our work begins with getting COVID under control. Which is going to be bad when he takes office. It's very bad now, and it's only expected to get worse. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Alice Miranda Olstein on the president-elect and the pandemic. So while we've all been distracted by the election, although not the Politico healthcare team, <laughs> I will add, the pandemic has been getting a lot worse. For the third day in a row, the U.S. has set consecutive records of more than 100,000 new cases of COVID-19. We are definitely in a surge right now, and this is more dangerous than past surges that we've seen this year because while the past surges were taking place in a few states or a few regions, this is really across the board. In just one week, infecting a population larger than the entire city of Milwaukee. And overnight, Texas became the first state to reach one million confirmed infections. Cases are going up, hospitalizations are going up, and deaths are starting to go up. We are going to hit 10 million cases any day now. We have been reporting several days of over 100,000 new cases per day, and it's not looking like it's going to slow down. And the expectation is that as people gather more over the coming holidays, as people go inside more because of the weather getting colder and winter coming, that it's it's just going to get worse. And so Biden has said that this is his top priority coming into office, and he's going to completely overhaul the country's approach to the virus. So Joe Biden has two months to get ready for that. How are he and his team preparing? So he and his team have been preparing not just for the last few months, but actually since early in the pandemic when it was clear that things were going to be bad to the point that he would likely be confronted with this and have to deal with this if he won the presidency and took office in 2021. So he has been having his advisors, these are veteran public health experts, several former government officials from the Obama administration and the Clinton administration. So they've been putting together a plan that basically everything that Donald Trump has done, they're going to do the opposite. On Monday, I will name a group of leading scientists and experts as transition advisors to help take the Biden-Harris COVID plan and convert it into an action blueprint that will start on January the 20th, 2021. Instead of letting each state decide for itself how to do testing, how to do contact tracing, 
he's really going to create more of a strong national framework and system where the federal government gets a lot more involved and gives a lot more support on these different fronts. Because even this many months into the pandemic, healthcare workers are still having mask shortages. There's still not enough testing for the level of virus there is. And contact tracers are so overburdened that they can't keep up. I will spare no effort, none, or any commitment to turn around this pandemic. So he wants to create a public health core of 100,000 people to help work on all of these things. He's going to use the Defense Production Act to produce more masks and test kits. He's going to invest in testing technology so people can take a test at home and send it in for results. He's also pledged to change just how he talks about the virus. We cannot repair the economy, restore our vitality, or relish life's most precious moments hugging our grandchildren, our children, our birthdays, weddings, graduations, all the moments that matter most to us until we get it under control. We've seen a lot under the Trump administration, Trump himself or other political officials coming out and sort of giving us a spin on how the pandemic is going, and that has often not been accurate. There is a spike. There was a spike in Florida, and it's now gone. There was a very big spike in Texas. It's now gone. There was a very big spike in Arizona. It's now gone. Saying it's going to go away or we're turning the corner, etc. Um, he has pledged that he will put forward career scientists who the public can have a little more confidence that, that they don't have an agenda, that they're just there to give us the straight details on what's going on. And the hope is that that will alleviate some of the anger and divisions about the pandemic. We'll see how successful that is. I expect there will be a lot of resistance from conservative voters who will be, you know, already very upset about the outcome of the election and very resistant to some of the measures Biden is going to call for, such as mask mandates and restrictions on some businesses and gatherings to control the virus. President Trump has been in charge of the nation's coronavirus response basically for 10 months now. He's he's going to remain in office until January 20th when when Biden takes office. What do you think could happen over the next two months and what sort of barriers do you think Biden and his team could face taking office? So there's already concern of somewhat of a hostile or not helpful transition handoff. Um, and we will see how that goes. The Biden team has yet to attempt to send their people into the different agencies to start working on uh, transfer of power. So we will see how that goes, what kind of resistance there is. But obviously, um, the more the current administration shares information, makes people available to talk, the smoother this will be. And in the middle of a pandemic where the virus is expanding exponentially, that's really high stakes. I think for a lot of people watching the campaign, seeing Joe Biden make the pandemic a central issue, the central issue, at least by the end of the campaign, there's sort of this expectation that because you're in a lot of ways getting the total opposite of President Trump's messaging, the total opposite of President Trump's response, that things will change majorly next year, that Joe Biden you know, could be the person who changes the nation's course on this, helps the country emerge from the pandemic. Is that expectation at all realistic? 
So I think a lot of the things I just listed that he's pledged to do, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in there rejoining the World Health Organization. He wants to create a task force that just focuses on racial disparities in the pandemic. Just so many different things. And a lot of that he can do without Congress. Now, we don't know which party is going to control the Senate, and we're not going to know that until January. And so that will determine a lot of what Biden can get done. I think one of the top top concerns and biggest unknowns is a vaccine. Now, a vaccine could be approved during the transition period, and then President Trump will be in charge of rolling it out and urging people to take it. We'll see how that goes in such a deeply divided country. But that could also happen after Biden takes office. And he has said that he will devote $25 billion to manufacturing and distributing the vaccine. He said it's going to be free for everybody. He said that they're going to, you know, have a messaging campaign to encourage people to take it, to encourage people to trust it, because we've seen in polls that a lot of people say they don't trust a vaccine. They're worried the process has been rushed. And so I think who is in charge of that process and how that goes will have a huge impact because right now we don't have a vaccine. There are things we can do to control the virus's spread that a lot of people are not doing, and that's why it's so bad. But a vaccine is really the big, big focus here and how this is going to end. Alice Miranda Olstein, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. Also today, as two Senate races in Georgia head to a runoff early next year, Stacey Abrams, the former gubernatorial candidate whose organization helped register hundreds of thousands of new voters this year, says Democrats face a tough but winnable battle in her state. The January 5th races will pit Reverend Raphael Warnock, a Democrat, against incumbent Republican Senator Kelly Leffler and Democrat John Ossoff against GOP Senator David Perdue. In an interview with CNN, Abrams said she rejects the, quote, anachronistic notion that Democrats can't win Georgia, saying, quote, it's going to be a competitive fight. Republicans are cautiously optimistic about their chances of winning the races, which would allow them to serve as a check on Biden in the Democratic-controlled House. The Senate is now deadlocked at 48 to 48, but Republicans are leading uncalled races in Alaska and North Carolina. And British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is promising to work closely with President-elect Joe Biden when he takes office in January. In an interview with the Associated Press on Sunday, Johnson, who hasn't yet spoken with Biden since his victory, said the U.S. is the U.K.'s closest and most important ally and said he'll work with Biden to spread democracy, defend human rights and combat climate change. Johnson has been considered an ally to President Trump and criticized by Biden in the past, who's warned against the country's exit from the European Union. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on all of the latest on President-elect Biden's transition to the White House, sign up for our new newsletter called Transition Playbook. You can find it at politico.com slash newsletters and in this episode's show notes. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.